You're listening to the Royal Flying Doctor Service podcast for the Queensland section. This episode is brought to you by the Small Talk Big Difference campaign. Hello and welcome to the Small Talk Big Difference podcast. I'm Dr Tim Driscoll, Outback Mental Health Manager for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Today I'll be speaking with Tony Wellspring, a high school teacher and rural fire brigade volunteer from Yapoon, who responded to the 2019 bushfires in Livingstonshire. Tony, welcome to the podcast. G'day mate, how you going? Well thanks for joining us Tony. Uh, before we get started, uh, I'd just like to kick things off with a, a small talk starter, uh, which we like to start our podcast with. What's one thing you would take to a desert island? Oh mate, I have, yeah, I have a lovely family, a wife and two daughters mate, so I'd like to take them with me. Uh, but if I had to take something else, I'd need that carton of beer to come with me as well, Tim. <laughs> Important to stay hydrated, Tony. It's very true. Yes, yes, that's for sure. Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences during the Black Summer bushfires in 2019? Yeah, I was actually um, a bit of a blur at the start, but um, I was, to make a quick version, I was at the Japanese, a Japanese restaurant here in a local uh, restaurant in Yapoon, and um, I got a phone call about uh, quarter past 12 to say get my butt to a place called Cobra Ball. That's where the start of the fires. So I took off out there and um, arrived to what we call, well I called Armageddon and uh, black smoke everywhere and, and wind was howling from the southwest and we tried yeah. as best we can. We got told where to go and try to put a few fires out. Then we got moved on to another place um, where we had to ask people to leave their homes because the fire was coming towards them. Um, so we stayed there for a little while and because they're running short of crews, they knew the fire was heading sort of in a northerly direction and um, so we jumped away again and I ended up at a, uh, a past student's house um, where his father lived at the back and they came and asked me, Welly, what do we do? Oh, my nickname's Welly. Welly, what do we do? And I said, there's nothing much we can do. The fire's roaring through pretty fast. I said, all we can do is sit here and wait. We could hear the fire coming and it's jumped into their paddock and uh, started burning towards their um, their house and their shed. In the meantime, it blew through the next door's paddock, which was a bit overgrown. And um, we managed to put the fire out around theirs and um, managed to make our way out to the roadway. And once it, if it crossed that roadway, I knew that my, my own house would have been in danger then. So I had a bit of sticky beak around. The next thing is just roared through, jumped the road and uh, jumped in that paddock across the road and heading towards towards my place and um i rang my wife we were still probably four kilometers five kilometers away but i rang my wife and said get the kids to grab their whatever they uh um, treasure throw them in the car get the cars out of there grab the dogs let the chickens out of the pen and um and and you better get out of there because i think it's coming towards us so she um she told me also that um the police end up knocking at the door probably an hour later to ask her to evacuate anyway. But in the meantime, from that fighting the fires through there, um, we jumped, we sort of jumped from house to house and I managed to go up to a hill uh, where I knew people lived um, and told them and I saw, saw their cars there. They're trying to, um, to try and get ready for the fire and uh, they said to me, Wellie, because I knew him from school, Wellie, can we, um, can we backburn now? I said, mate, there's no time to backburn, you need to get out. So his girlfriend took the advice and he left, but um, he decided to stay and try and fight the fires. Anyway, we left from there and um, so on and so on as we went down through. I saw it jump another road where I knew that a friend of from, a colleague from school's house was. And all right, here we go again. And um, I thought, gosh, I hope they're out of the house. Uh, I know they had plenty of warning beforehand, so I'm assuming they would have been out. And, you know, they were, which was good. But their house got... Uh, got 
burnt to the ground relatively quickly. So then we, we bunny hopped through and, and went to some more properties and I dro drove down a road to where another Rural Fire Brigade member obviously left and went back to protect his house. And um, we couldn't get into his driveway because the flames were surrounding his house. And um, that's when uh, I uh, thought that him, mm, see this gets me every time, mate. Him and his um, wife and his mum and dad live there also. And I thought, oh Christ, they're ready. Um, I hope they're okay. I couldn't communicate with them, but there's nothing that we could do. So we had to make the decision to move on to the next house, which is pretty hard for us. Uh, moved on to the next house and a lady was there with her baby. Um, and all she was concerned about, the dear lady, was about her cows and how they're going to how they're going to survive. And I did mention to her that cows will find higher ground and they'll find places where they can go, etc. So she was fine. She grabbed the baby and she left. And by that time, we managed to get back to where, because it was a, a dead end road sort of thing, where the cars were backed up, being protected, uh, back to where my rural fire partner was. And uh, we managed to get in there. And as I drove in, all I saw was a massive grin on his face because it, it was only him there. His parents had already got out in a big red truck beforehand. And then we managed to stay there for the next hour, uh, dousing his roof and managed to save his house, but not his sheds. But, um, and that was just the start of things as well. We eventually kept on going through, bunny hopping through, bunny hopping through. Um, or if, by this stage, the, the whole thing flashed through. It would have been about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. I drove back down towards the bottom of where my place was and I saw the fire raging up towards our house and uh, I couldn't see the house at all but I saw the fires raging up that way and um, I, uh, I said to myself if I go up there I uh, might, um, might um, uh, be less helpful. Uh, I might end up hurting myself as in like getting burnt myself. Uh, so I rang my wife and my kids and said hey listen you're safe, we're safe, I'm safe, I'm not going to go up to the house. So I think by the time I come back in the morning, the house is going to probably be gone. Um, and the kids were great. Yeah, it's all good, Dad, as long as you're safe, as long as you're safe. And, um, sorry. <laughs> and uh, I said, no, it's all good. And I went back to the um, rural fire um, staging area. And they mentioned that to them and they said, oh, you know, all good. I said, I, I said, oh, you're right. I said, yeah, I'm not going to go bother going back because I'm a bit worried about my own, my own safety. Uh, everything's out, so it was all good. I got a phone call at four in the morning from my rural fire boss here at Kubri, and he said, Tony, I'm at your house now. Your house is still here, all right, but the fire has now changed direction. It's heading up the other way towards your house. We need to backburn. We need to get here now and backburn around that. So to cut a long story short, we ended up backburning around our house and then all right along my ridge here to protect the fire from sort of heading north. So, and that was all a blur from probably about, maybe about quarter past to half past 12 to maybe five or yeah, five or six in the morning. And then we just sort of backburned all the way through to later on that evening. Uh, so there was two days and then it sort of settled down a bit in our area. And then for the next, you know, four or five days, we managed to bunny hop through and um, yeah, and I'm surprised that we didn't lose more houses than we actually did. I think in the long run, there's only a few houses that were lost, but um, yeah, it still sort of touches a nerve all the time. Yeah, thinking about it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's certainly quite the ideal, really. It's a, it's a, it's a lot to go through. Um, what, what are some of the steps that you know you 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 put into place um, to help you recover after that? I mean, it's you know physically exhausting, mentally exhausting, and you know emotionally as well. It must have a big impact. I mean, it's. To, you know, uncontrollable things in some way. Um, what, what are some of the steps you did to, to get back on track? 
Oh, because we, because we had to keep on going backwards and forwards and had to go out and, and fight, you know, for the next three or four days onwards. And I had, obviously, I'm a full-time job of school, but my boss was pretty good about um, emergency services and stuff like that. My coping mechanisms with my family, uh, they're, my, they're, they're still my number one priority all the time, yeah. Um, as I said, I think earlier on, talking to you before we started the podcast, that um, my daughters are now grown up and moved out of home, so they, they're sort of flying the, net, flying the coop. But, um, yeah, oh, my... my my main, I suppose, sounding board was my wife and my, and my two children. Uh, my colleagues at work, they were fantastic. Um, and also the Rural Fire Brigade themselves is talking to, you know, as we were going through, as we were fighting the fires, as they were slowly dying down, trying to, um, I suppose, decipher or try and figure out what went on. And what we actually managed to save, I suppose, was the saving grace in the back of my mind that, you know, that no lives were lost. Um, a couple of properties lost, but... Um, yeah, just having having sounding boards from families, uh, fellow colleagues at work, okay, and the and the real fire brigade in general, mate. Yeah, for sure. So, lot lot of support from family, friends, and colleagues. Eh, it's um it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and a lot of you have been through the the same event together as is with the real fire brigade. That's correct. Yes, I mean the, the my partner in my car was a lady who's. Who's, who thought that her house was under under fire as well, under attack as well. So whilst we were trying to um, stop other fires, we managed to drop her around because they have um, uh, show dogs and stuff like that. So they want to be prepared for those. So we dropped her off. And there's just myself and another colleague from another brigade that were together. So yeah. Is is there anything that you'd say to someone going through you know a similar day to what you you've been through? That what would any sort of advice you'd give them in in terms of recovering from going through something like that? Oh. Being blokey blokes, I mean, we're shocking. Men, men are terrible. I think majority of the time, admitting that they um that, that they are probably suffering a little bit or, or hurting a little bit. But talk, talk, talk. Hey, my wife, my wife talked me into a few things, and um, she made sure I was, I was, you know, if I had to get help at any way, that she was fine. But just talking to them and talking to my daughters. But yeah, just talk to someone, anyone. Doesn't really matter who it is. All right, but uh, friend, colleague, partner, whatever, uh, or professional help. Um, which, which was offered to us all uh, by the Royal Fire Brigade at the, after the aftermath. But, um, yeah, need to just talk and get it off your chest, I think. As you, as you saw, too, like I still get bottled up and I still get teary-eyed um, talking about it now, uh, even though it was like several years ago now. Um, yeah, it's still, it's still fresh in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly stays with those memories. I mean, it's a, so it's not something you're going to forget, that's for sure, Tony. No, no way in the world, yes. Um, now, now this this wasn't your first natural disaster either, was it? You'd also been through a fairly significant cyclone in Cyclone Marcia. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and that was when my kids were at school. So that was probably more psychologically um, traumatising for me because I was worried about, um, oh, my daughter was in grade 11 or grade 12, I think, at the stage, and we lost the roof of our, of oh, a quarter of our roof off our house, the window smashed. We went in the house, which was good. We decided to get out because we heard a Category 5 was coming towards us because I live in paradise, I live on top of a hill, I can see the islands, I can see the ocean, I can see the mountain ranges and stuff like that. And um, I sort of knew that if something big was going to come, it was going to hurt the house. Um, so we decided to move to a friend's house in town. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing, even the aftermath of that, it took us a year to get back into our house and... Um, just the concerns about my daughters and their studies. Um, um, work was fine with me, but the daughters, my daughters and their studies, uh, that was my major concern. Had a couple of meltdowns at school, but again, I had colleagues at work there that sort of talked me through a few things, and um, yeah, so managed to get through that one. That was there. One, one of many things at Browns Lane here, yeah. 
So, so going through that now, I mean, even um, even when we talked previously, you know, you've spoken about other things that have, that have gone wrong uh, more locally, and um, so you, you've been through quite a bit, um, and you, you know, you still live in an area where you know there'll be more natural disasters at some point. A lot of Queensland's like this. Um, what are some of the things you do to remain resilient? Uh, having a close friendship group, uh, making sure we you know that my wife and I always, uh, love to socialise a fair bit and um, have friends over, etc. I um I really enjoy the company of the kids at school too, like especially back in the bushfires as well. I mean, I, I had a year twelve um, care class, or I was in charge of the year twelve group, and um, a lot of them and a lot of their parents also approached me at school um, and to see how I was going and things like that. So the contact of the community, uh, as as I said, as well as my close family and friends, um, was really the sort of things that, that that bring you through. I think. Do you have any advice for anyone who might be experiencing some mental health challenges, you know, especially in the aftermath of a natural disaster? Um, have you got any advice that you might have seen help other people around you or in the community that's been particularly, help, particularly helpful? Yeah, just talk just talk to people. Talk to someone. Don't keep it to your chest. Um, yeah, someone told me I should have probably received uh, some professional help, but in, in talking to someone after after that, they said as long as you are speaking to somebody about it and not keeping it bottled inside you, which most most blokes do, all right? Um, but, um, yeah, just having having someone to talk to and listen to you, yeah. Is there anything more generally that you, you think people would benefit from knowing? I mean, you, you've been through, you know, a couple of decent-sized natural disasters here and the, and the fire was quite the ordeal. Um, is there anything that you, you think people would sort of benefit from knowing in terms of, you know, handling these kind of situations? Uh, the hardest thing, I suppose, is keeping your wits together and keeping and, and, and making sure that you, I suppose, you're, you're mentally capable of, of, of doing what you've got to do. And if you're not, get out. Um, that's the reason why I left the bushfires at the bottom of our hill. I thought if I go there, I'm going to make a, probably make a stupid decision. But um, yeah, just listen to your gut. I suppose your gut instinct and then follow a sensible path. I'm sure, I suppose. Yeah. Obviously, keeping yourself safe is paramount, isn't it, in those situations. Incredible. Yeah, oh, it was my young family. I suppose it was a young family too that I was mainly concerned about rather than myself. I, you know, I didn't want them to have you know if the worst come to worst and something did happen. Yeah, no, that yeah that was that would be terrible for them. So yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, it's obviously not just yourself in the in the line here, is it? There's a lot of other people that depend on you. That's for sure. Well, thank you, Tony, for your, for your time today. Um, I'm sure that many will benefit from hearing your story. Um, and certainly I, I hope um, people that have tuned in today will also uh, go onto the website and have a look at smalltalkbigdifference.com.au uh, to, to get some further information. Um, but certainly I, I think many people will um, you know, resonate with the experiences that you've shared today and also benefit from some of that very practical advice in terms of you know, talking to people close to you and that, that strong network being so important to maintain and in looking after ourselves after going through a bushfire or other natural disaster. So um, it's been really valuable talking to you, Tony, and I, I really appreciate your time today. Mate, it's been fantastic. And as I said, it always brings back a real nerve to me. And you know, you always th to the back of your mind, mate. And even talking to you now, all right, is still part of the healing process as we go through. So, no, it's been good. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it, Tony. Thank you very much. Thanks, buddy. You've been listening to the Royal Flying Doctor Service podcast for the Queensland section. The Small Talk Big Difference campaign is proudly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments through the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. If you would like to know more, you can go to the campaign website, smalltalkbigdifference.com.au. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, keep in touch by subscribing.